Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. I am your host, Paul. We are in the season of playoff scenarios, and teams are beginning to get eliminated from playoff contention. I will be doing my power rankings and then discussing my prediction for how I think everything will shake out. And if you've been listening to me in this podcast up to this point, you know this will all go to shit somehow. But really, this episode is for me. For me to gloat. For me to bask in the glory that is Philadelphia fans' tears. Because there is no worse sports town in the United States. There is no worse fan base in the United States. The city of brotherly love is and always has been consumed by hate and misery, which they can't help but project onto anyone they meet. They hate their teams when they're losing, and they hate them when they're winning because the only purpose a Philadelphia fan has is to be an uncompromising, unapologetic blowhard. Philadelphia fans are the reason I will never go to Philadelphia. I want no part of a garbage town that houses and basks in the toxic glow of these social lepers. So let's get into the rankings. Number 33, the refs. This is a problem, and the NFL doesn't care to fix it. I am fine with Drake Greenlaw being penalized for his tackle, and again, for his touching of someone on the sideline. But this in no way should have been a disqualification. Penalties seem to be subjective to dictating flow and outcome of games. There should have been penalties for contact to quarterbacks' helmets, horse collar tackles, and multiple false starts. And more egregious calls came in the Sunday night game, where the first 57 minutes of the game was cleanly called, then the refs butchered the last Chiefs drive. The last two minutes of a game is when you need the refs to be at their best. You can screw up a call in the first half, and it largely won't affect the outcome of a game. Look at the Lions, who jumped out to a 21-0 lead with barely seven minutes played in the game, and they still almost lost that game. When you screw up at the end of a game, you are not giving either team an opportunity to overcome your mistake. Now, the two penalties at the end of the game actually benefited either team, but they were atrocious in both the call and non-call. However, don't ever call pass interference on a Hail Mary unless a defender tackles the offensive player. You cannot reward a team who is desperate enough to throw a Hail Mary for a slight and you know maybe still a penalty-worthy play in any other situation, but to place them at the one-yard line. You just can't do that. So Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth just wasted five minutes at the end of the game discussing that play. All right, now let's go into the actual teams on the power rankings. Number 32, the Carolina Panthers. I did want to put the Patriots here, and maybe they do end up with the number one seed in the NFL draft, but I can't take a team who is led by an interim coach and move them ahead of Bill. Number 31, the New England Patriots. The reason why the Patriots should be number 32 is that sinkhole that is the quarterback position. But this defense is still competent. Number 30, Washington Commanders. I don't know why the team is holding on to Ron Rivera, but could a new coach and new ownership lure Kirk Cousins back? Number 29, Arizona Cardinals. Huge questions remain on if the Cardinals can move on from Kyler Murray or if they even want to. 28, New York Jets. Coaches and GM might be playing for their jobs at this point. This is, this is bad. 
Number 27, the Tennessee Titans. They've been competitive, but seem to find ways to lose games. They're not good. Number 26, the New York Giants. I don't know what is worse, to be so bad people make fun of you every week, or to be so bad people forget you're a football team. Number 25, the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, just kidding. It's the Chargers from San Diego. The Chargers' ineptitude just keeps being rewarded by ownership. This is a fucking dumpster fire. Number 24, the Las Vegas Raiders. Positive changes can be made, but not until the offseason. Number 23, Chicago Bears. The defense is playing better, and they are limiting Justin Fields' mistakes, but they still should draft a QB next year. Number 22, New Orleans Saints. Number 21, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number 20, Atlanta Falcons. I don't care what order you put these teams, because they all keep jumping past each other. Although, not up past each other, but back the other way. It's like they're playing scramble golf, but instead of playing best ball, they're playing the worst ball. Number 19, Minnesota Vikings. This team was trending in the right direction, and initially Josh Dobbs looked like the second coming of Geno Smith, but now he looks like the second coming of a deadbeat dad. Number 18, Seattle Seahawks. With three straight losses and two total losses to the suddenly hot Los Angeles Rams, the Seahawks will need to not get swept by the Niners and Eagles in the next two weeks to stay in the playoff hunt. Number 17, the Denver Broncos. The Broncos' ascension into the playoff picture has largely been built on the league not being very good this year and Russell Wilson being a little bit better. Number 16, Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love is playing better and the defense is playing better. I've used better a lot in the last two teams. Big win against a struggling offense, but you never apologize for getting a win. Number 15, Cleveland Browns. Number 14, the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not entirely impressed with the teams the Rams have beaten the last three weeks, but you can't argue with the results, the last two weeks winning by three scores or more. Number 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are here because this defense is strong and their head coach doesn't have a losing season. It's math. Number 12, Cincinnati Bengals. Losing Burrow is all you need to know. On to next year. Number 11, Indianapolis Colts. Minshew Magic is back, but more importantly, these three rookie coaches are showing they belong in this league. Number 10, Houston Texans. Can D'Amico Ryan win Coach of the Year? If they can win four of the next five games with only two games against playoff teams, he will secure that award. Number nine, Buffalo Bills. There isn't a more frustrating team in the NFL. This is a top 10 talent with bottom 10 moments in key situations. If they get hot, they can run the table, but I won't be shocked if they miss the playoffs. Number eight, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's hard to call this team disappointing in the way the Bills are, as they are leading their division, but it doesn't feel like they have made that jump where we consider them serious championship contenders. I'm also going to assume Lawrence will be fine as I am recording this as I just watched him get walked off the field, but ultimately, does anyone care if I rate them number eight or number 12 or 15? No, you don't give a shit. 
Number seven, Kansas City Chiefs. This has the feeling of a team that will just back into the playoffs. This receiving situation isn't great, and Kelsey has only one touchdown and has not had 100 yards receiving in the last five games. Number six, Detroit Lions. This team is leaking oil. In the last 53 minutes of the game against the Saints, they were outscored 28 to 12. What scares anyone playing this team is the seven minutes to begin the game in which they put up three touchdowns. Number five, Miami Dolphins. I still question the toughness of this team. Can they withstand a hard-fought physical matchup? But I do love that Raheem Mostert is second in the league with 16 touchdowns. Number four, Dallas Cowboys. If I can question the Dolphins' toughness, I have to question Dallas's mental acuity. The discipline can be scarce, specifically on defense, but if Dak keeps rolling, they can stick with just about anyone. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. They just got exposed in embarrassing fashion. The problem for the NFL is, does any other team have the offensive personnel to take advantage of those weaknesses? Dallas will get a shot, and a strong receiving group in Seattle will follow. But if neither can come through, the Eagles will maintain the number one seed into the playoffs. Number two, Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is quietly having a nice season passing the football, and the Ravens' defense is making sure no game gets away from them as they are the number one defense in points against. They had five straight games of 30-plus points scored before beating the Chargers 20-10 and then had their bye week. And number one, San Francisco. I did need to get this out now because the next week at home against the rested Seahawks feels like a trap game to me. But when this team is healthy and they want to beat you, they are going to do just that. Now, how do I think things will shake out? Miami has a stranglehold in the AFC East. Baltimore is separating in the AFC North. Jacksonville will need to hold off multiple teams in the AFC South, and that path just got more complicated. And Kansas City can likely sleepwalk into another division crown. So who gets those other spots? Here's the thing. I believe two teams will come out of the AFC South, and I have no clue which two teams they will be. I'd love to see Houston win the division outright, so I'll give the other spot to Jacksonville. But they need to figure out how this offense is going to run with or without Trevor Lawrence. The second team I have, because one of those two AFC South teams are going to win their division, is Buffalo. I can't seriously pick teams starting quarterbacks with the name Trubisky, Minshew, Browning, or Wilson. That just sounds stupid. In terms of seeding, this is where it gets tricky because despite the Chiefs looking off, they only have one conference loss while the Ravens have three. And I believe the Ravens have a more difficult upcoming schedule than the Chiefs. I don't buy the Chiefs, but their schedule is softer than the Ravens and the Dolphins, both who have more conference losses than the Chiefs. Why does this feel like the Chiefs will be gifted, sorry, earned, the number one seed? So my final playoff prediction will be the Chiefs with the number one seed, Miami with the two seed, Baltimore with the three seed, Houston Texans with the fourth seed, Buffalo with the five, Jacksonville with the sixth, and you know what, fuck it. Let's get Cincinnati in with the seventh seed. Our first round matchups look like this. Miami at home against the Bengals, Baltimore at home against Jacksonville, and Houston at home against Buffalo.
onto the NFC. As I mentioned, the Eagles got worked. But if they can regroup, they shouldn't lose any ground. They have a tough game against the Cowboys, who are now coming off their own 10-game break. But even if Philadelphia loses this game, San Francisco would still need to win out, which is not inevitable with games against playoff hopeful teams like Baltimore, Seattle, and the Rams. The NFC North is controlled by Detroit. The South is a fucking mess. And the West will be won by San Francisco. Where are our three teams? There are five six and six teams and two five and seven teams. Three of those are in the NFC South and one of them leads their division. I have Philadelphia with the one seed, San Francisco with the two seed, Detroit with the three seed, and Tampa Bay with the fourth seed. Dallas gets the fifth, Green Bay is the sixth, and Atlanta finishes with the seventh seed. First round of the playoffs will go as this. Atlanta goes to San Francisco, Green Bay goes to Detroit, and Tampa Bay plays host to the Dallas Cowboys. I am merely going by strength of schedule from this point on. If I don't have a team making the playoffs, and they do, then clearly they earned it down the stretch. So to conclude week 13 of the NFL season, this is Paul from the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. Stay safe.